You've played the missions, but do you really know the lore? We are here to be your guides, your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 68, recorded May 10th, 2020. The, ep- the topic for this episode is Unveiling Part 2. I'm your host for the episode. I'm Elemist. I'm Orchid. And we have our... And I'm back again. <laughs> Wicked! <laughs> <laughs> we have our very special guest back with us for our second episode of Unveiling. Wicked Jester. Yep. Unfortunately, Hello. no Hyven and Mrs. Hyven for this episode. They're still still doing real life stuff so when the episode drops make sure to send hot takes and complaints and everything to them yeah don't send it to me i'm tired of taking all your complaints (laughs) (laughs) i'm not your receptacle for complaints even though elmas thinks i am (laughs) i i could say something there but i'm not go ahead I'm, I'm being a good guy. No, I'm not doing it. It can be cut out of the episode. So, go ahead and get it off your chest. Oh, we've already gone through this. It goes in the bloopers and you know it. <laughs> right, right. Sorry, so. I was too busy looking at Rick's meat on Twitter. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. What? <laughs> share the link, share the link. Right? (laughs) Oh, he's got some fine meat. That looks amazing. Nice coloring to it, too. Right? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't mind that in my mouth. I'm not a big fan (laughs) of the way it bends. (laughs) Just saying. Just... For people who are the uninitiated, this is man at arms we're talking about. <laughs> Go harass him on Twitter. And it's it's literally meat. Not euphemism for meat. anything. No, it's his <clears throat> meat. Yeah, it's his meat. He might have to delete it. I mean, he he posted it with just porn as the word, so <laughs> Well, food porn is a thing, so never said it was food. <laughs> yeah. For podcast news, we encourage feedback. That can be sent to us on Twitter at Guardians underscore Lore, at Hey It's Orchid, at Mrs. underscore Hyven, or at I underscore Am underscore Elemist. You can email us at Guardians underscore Lore at Outlook.com. Find us on Instagram at Guardians Flore. Uh, you can leave us a review. And whenever you leave us a review, let us know. We like reading them. Uh, or you can join our Discord. Uh, the actual join link should be in the description. So hop on in, read the re- the the rules, and then you know escalate your privileges. Uh, you can also find our info at thelorenetwork.com alongside many impressive lore content creators. What orchid? I told him that I'd put that in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) 
So now you're stealing my jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's funnier awesome. coming from me. Because I actually would. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the Twoggle. I'm going to drive the Twoggle I love, tonight. I love how fitting the first bullet point is. All right. <laughs> right? I'm driving the Twoggle. The Twoggle's mine tonight. Um, It's hot. It's hot as fuck right now. Considering Rick's meat. No, like it's temperature <laughs> hot right now. I'm very uncomfortable at the moment. It's 85 in my house. I'm dying right now. Dang. It's much too early in the year. For all, this. all it means is you just take shit off. I'm wearing barely anything right now. Exactly. You're still wearing stuff. <laughs> we have a guest. I'm not going to take my shirt off for anyone. How fucking dare you, Elmas? I'm pretty sure Wicked wouldn't mind. <laughs> Just because you've seen my boobs doesn't mean I'm sharing them with the world, okay? God. <laughs> What's the word? Party tit? Party tit? Party boob? Party yeah. boob? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you have to at least show me your meat on Twitter first before I'll show you my boobs. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> I will make an arrangement for that post to go live on nope. in, a, in a couple hours. Nope. <laughs> Right. All right. Nope. <laughs> All of this not going to be here. <laughs> uh, we will not be happy. Okay, so as it's been pointed out several times by many people in the community, both the lore community and otherwise, um, it was suggested that we have uh some sort of special episode for episode sixty nine, since we are apparently the horny lore podcast. So- <laughs> and since that's the nice episode. super nice but um (laughs) that episode would be next week so it'd be the day after this episode drops um and the hyvens will not be there so it'll be just me and elmist and whoever we can scrounge up by then i have not planned anything we do have a guest lined up for two weeks from now and blue crew has agreed to come join us for whatever fucking lore book we're doing because i don't even know that so scheduler really knows what's going on, guys. I'm super good at this. <laughs> well, we've got the stuff from, from the Twitter poll, right? No. I just I don't need know to where the poll do... went. It disappeared. I'd have to find it. The I'll Twitter find spirit it. will have to give it to me. So Yeah, I'll find it. I say Twitter spirit because it can be either me or Mrs. Hyben or whoever else has a login information. Uh-huh. Um, on to Guardian Games. I think, fuck, that's ending. Elmas, what do you think? I, the only amazing thing to come out of that was the machine gun. How do you like it? Oh, Have I, you used it? I freaking love it. Um, It doesn't do as much damage as... Um, air, uh, Xenophage, but it's stupid fun to use. Xenophage did get a bump, so uh, I Xenophage think Dado... was really shitty in the beginning mm-hmm. because I deleted that immediately. Well, because the way it worked before was that the explosive payload from Xenophage's bullets 
was half the damage and it should have been additional. Yeah, it was poopy. I didn't want yeah. to. Yeah. Um, I think Detto did a video on Air Apparent and how it compared to Xenophage damage-wise. Mm-hmm. Xenophage does about 27,000 damage per second and Air Apparent does 18,000. Hmm. Okay. Hammerhead does 11. So just to put that into perspective. I don't like it. Personally. Hammerhead? No, I don't like the or... new machine gun. Oh, air repair. Air repair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't like how it feels. I don't like the thingy that pops up around you. I don't like it. The arc shield? Yeah. You I mean like the it. extra shield? I don't like it. Apparently, I like to live dangerous. I, I would have thought you'd like you'd like being in cages. I, you know, <laughs> you know it really depends. Only if there are men the, throwing dollar bills at her. I have to be in the mood <laughs> for it, and um. Yeah, I'm not usually in the mood for it when I'm playing Destiny. So, um, but no, like usually. I'm enjoying it. Uh, my brother and I ran Shattered Throne. Like it was his vert, uh, first run through Shattered Throne. How did he? Like we two manned everything. First, tr- uh, first damage phase on everything with just air apparent and Actium War Rig. Nice. Sweet. But he so, liked it. He liked Shattered Throne. He did. Shattered Throne is one of my favorite encounters, like in the entire game, if oh, not yeah. my favorite. I think mm. it goes like Whisper, Shattered Throne, Zero Hour, Pet of Heresy, then the game itself. I only like all the of those fun like things. all of those like off the wall <laughs> three man fire team, you know, pre configured yeah. fire team activities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really enjoy those. Um, but that being said, I did not enjoy the actual event itself. I didn't enjoy the the Guardian games. You didn't like the bounty grind? I did not. Wicked, what I just kind of lost main interest in it. Overall, just kind of, it was it was fun for the first couple of weeks, <clears throat> but it's just taken a lot longer. And just as as it's, as it's gone on, I just kind of lost interest in it. There's just so many other things to work on. Like I so didn't want to do it that we decided to play comp instead. Like that's how disinterested I was. That I'd rather punish myself in Crucible. Sounds about right. I mean, I like Crucible, yeah. so it's not really like difficult for me to choose that. But like, I'd kind of avoided comp for like a month or so because after trials, I like my like finger wagging warning. I decided to not touch comp or trials for a while. Yeah, finger wagging. Gotta keep Bungie off my back. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta stay low from the fuzz. <laughs> Because there's plenty of other stuff on her back. No, I'm just on my back. Is that what you meant? I don't know what I meant. Uh Uh-huh. No. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Um, But no, I, I... 
I just didn't in- enjoy the fact that it was bounties on top of everything that we already grinded. Like, if they would have thrown the, the infinite forest back at us and said, hey, you have a whole new set of bounties to do with it, I would have been fine. You know, it would have been Revelry Part 2, and it would have been something different than the odd, you know, the, the grind that we already had. Mm-hmm. So, like... I, I mean, I think I said this last week, but I would have rather just had the revelry again. Like, as it was, I would have rather had that. Like, as much as it broke Crucible last time. Yeah, yeah, I would rather have a broken fucking Crucible and have it be for two weeks <laughs> than have, like, this whole thing and have it be for three weeks. Cause you Can know you imagine it... it breaking trials? Oh, God. I think Can you imagine that's why they did... the chaos? I think that's why they didn't do the revelry. That's why they didn't I mean, they have could, those buffs. They could probably do. They could probably do something where those buffs didn't apply. I mean, I mean, they can eliminate the artifact power leveling. Mm-hmm. I would imagine they could do the same thing in for. Oh yeah, yeah. extra buffs. Oh yeah, they. they there could have been, but I. <clears throat> I think short notice. That was why they didn't do it. Because mm-hmm. they didn't want to figure out. Oh, we broke trials. Uh, we've got another two weeks of this. <laughs> what do we do? I mean, it's kind of already broken, and it's kind of right. There's not that many people playing yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but that's because, like, the, the casual people don't have an incentive to do way. it because they can't yeah. get to three wins. The average people don't want to get pub stomped, so it's the sweat fest. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and I won't do it unless I do it with my two friends that will firmly put me in their backpack. So, Because I am not good enough to do it with my normal friends. Like, I have to have my friends that, like, run as Sherpas. Mm-hmm. And they take pity on me. Because I have big green eyes. <laughs> please, can I get... Flawless. Please take me flawless <laughs> so I can get the helmet. And they're like, okay. I have all the yeah, stuff, I picked, so. I, picked, I picked the wrong week to do mine. Oh, no. I, I got the bond and the gloves. The helmet's wrong the one week. I wanted. Oh, well, you should have oh, done this week. And see, I've never been flawless in D2, so I just, I have no want to do it. I had never gone flawless in D1, and the only reason I'm flawless today is because uh, Lux Regalia freaking took me flawless. I had him and Shay, him and Shay both took me there. Wow. So. Yeah, no, I, I I went flawless in D1, but. I was only flawless in D1 once. I was flawless in D1 lots of times. And then I could no longer play it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one of the things I did want to point out about the TWAB is that it sounds like we have quite a few years <laughs> left of D2. I'm really excited I, about that. I am too. Maybe people will stop talking about Destiny 3. <laughs> right? No, they're going to keep talking about it. <laughs> It like it's still gonna be a conversation people have, like, oh, what do you think Destiny Three is gonna be like? And it's my point what do you is think Destiny's gonna be what do you think Destiny Three's gonna be like <laughs> on PlayStation Six? And that's what I think it's gonna be like. <laughs> I mean, I would really like um I'd like them to rename both Destinies, I think. What do you mean? I mean, if if it's gonna be Destiny Two forever 
and they're just mm-hmm. going to keep building on it, then like, why have the two? Like that annoys uh, me. Main main reason why they call why they even had a separation from Destiny One to Destiny Two is just from mine as far as what I'm aware of is just because they changed the engines it was built off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my understanding so, too. So really, that's really the only departure from D1 that they had. There's a <clears throat> a couple of minor things that they, I think, somewhat got changed around with the story and the way things were approached. But in, all in all, I think Destiny 1 and Destiny 2 are very different games in the way they play. Oh, yeah. But, <clears throat> so. but yeah, I, I mean, I could kind of see them. If they, if they did do a remaster, then they probably wouldn't name it Destiny 2 again. No, I think if they did a remaster no. of well what I what I personally would like to see is to just get rid of D1 forever and set it on fire and throw it away and have no one talk about it anymore and stop comparing it to D2 because it's gone. It's not a thing anymore. I'm a fun killer right now. I'm I am I've noticed. the te- I am the tether in mayhem right now. I'm like I, I'm so glad people are having so much fun in D1, but I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's because like D2 has nothing happening at the moment. I've, I've noticed that a lot where it just seems like D1 is starting to get packed up. Yeah, I'm really surprised. Well, and, and I, a lot of that is because it's springtime. Mm-hmm. We've always had this lull during the spring. If you look back a year, it was season of the drifter. How many can actually say they grinded <laughs> out Prime and Reckoning and... Do you... Okay, do you know what? Why the fuck would you want to do that? Reckoning is terrible. I would That's rather do... That's my point. There was a downtime. I would rather do a million... I have Dredgen, but I would rather... Yeah, but I'm not going to have Reckoning. And no, that was Reckoner. Like, Dredgen... You said Gambit, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, but like reckoning, like I'm not gonna go grind that till I get all the I, armor. I still and won't then... have reckoner. I am two master medals away. That's disgusting. I hate myself that much. <laughs> we did the wrong things when we were dating. Just gonna put that out there. If you hate yourself that much, it could have been way more interesting. <laughs> we'll talk after. Nice. <laughs> Um, but no, so like, there's always been a downtime during the spring Mm -hmm. and like, that's been the trend. That's where we're at now. Agreed. Yeah. Once the new season comes in, you know, 30 or so days, everything will pick up again. Oh, it'll pick up for like three weeks or two weeks, and then people will be like, because they're going to want something else because everyone's a baby. Yeah. I'm being super judgy at the community right now because they are just being like tiny little bitches about like Guardian games. Like, yeah, it sucks, (laughs) but like don't whine and complain because your class is like not (laughs) participating. Sorry. I had like a lot of compassion the first week. Because a lot of you are really upset. My 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 field of fucks is like barren right now. <laughs> See now, like I'm wondering how many 
how many of the the hunters are the ones who are just like you know what go play a different game we're we're playing different games go do it and how many of the titans are just the ones that are just like you know what i'm just gonna log in for two hours a day play and then whatever I mean, as one of those titans that is doing that, I'm only picking the medals that I want to do, and I'm not doing any bounties, because bounties can go fuck themselves. Like, I'll pick up crucible medals and, like, strike medals, because right. that's what I'm going to do anyway. Right. Yeah. But that's exactly but, I my mean, point. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not going to and... go do forges if I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> fuck, I would almost rather do reckoning. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't. I would rather do forges, like, yeah. straight up, but... Um, I still have kills to get in all the forges so I can like finish my stupid whatever oh really I'm so close to getting um, blacksmith it's stupid oh me too (laughs) all I need is a flawless run of scourge of the past I have that well fuck you (laughs) fuck you too I have not God, it's been so long since I've really done any of the raids in D2 at all like it's just no, not really any real interest in doing them. Scourge is the only raid I like. I did like Scourge in the past. It was fun. That's a fun raid. Like Scourge I will do that. Scourge is really if, fun. If someone asks me, like I will drop everything and go do it because it's just so much fun. I'm still really bad at the sparrow part. Like we only got that um, triumph because we cheesed it. Yeah. <clears throat> The one where everybody has to survive. Yep. The one where yep. everyone has to run to the chest at the same time. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so getting back on track. Mm-hmm. We've got some guests lined up, apparently. Yeah. Blue Crew is coming. I already talked about that. Yeah. I'm just going down the show notes. That's all. The show notes, we are at the bottom of the show notes. You're going back up the show notes. Well, shut up. <laughs> it's okay if you don't know what directions are. It's fine. Hey, you know what? I'm I was not... looking at it with the wrong eye, okay? Obviously. <laughs> what is your computer over there? <laughs> your yes. screen's over here. <laughs> it was in my, my, my blank spot. Right? Oh, is that is it actually a blank spot? I never really like, no. asked you before. Okay. No. <laughs> I was thinking, like, man, I could have just like no, tossed at something at your face, and you wouldn't even see it coming. It would just like suddenly like in your face. <laughs> no, I do have a little bit of depth really perception comedy. issues, but that's about it. That's okay. Uh, so, brief intro to the topic. Uh, this lore book is obtained by speaking with Eris every week after the completion of the Shadowkeep campaign. Uh, for the first part of the book, go back and listen to episode 67. If you haven't listened to it, why are you at 68? I will say that um, we had some audio errors in that episode because my recording dropped out because my computer died. So um, At the very end. At the very end, so there's this like big blank spot where the guys are talking because they can hear me because I'm trying to fix my audio, but I am not there. So, um, mm-hmm. so all that stuff's been cut out. The episode's been fixed. So if you actually have listened to it, like go back and listen to it because it's it's actually an episode now, guys. We're professionals. 
we we're are. good at this. Yes. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> I think at this show. point, Hyven's the most professional, and he's not even here. He's lord of professionalism. <laughs> In- interesting idea, though. Since you're talking about not doing something special for episode 69, yeah. you could pull a George Lucas and do episode 71st. We could do that. And then go back and do 69. Yeah. And then just. Sh- I was thinking about that. Like, it could be a real New Hope kind of situation. Yeah, there you go. But I don't know. All right, this is T equals zero. We wrestled in the garden, in the loam of possibility, where nothing existed and everything might. A shadowed agony among the flowers. We trampled the petals beneath our feet. We stomped the fruit to pulp, and we ground the seeds into the dust. In the wet pop of grapes, in the smear of berries, in the perturbation of the field that was the garden before the first tick of time and the first point of space, were the detonations that made the universes. Each universe was pregnant with its own inflationary volumes and braided with ever-ramifying timelines. Each volume cooling and separating into domains of post-symmetric physics, all of which were incarnations of that great and all-dictating biparty law that states only exist lest you fail to exist. And still we fought. We brought down the tree of silver wings and left the stump to smoke amid the meadows. We left prints of our splayed feet and our straining backs in the clay. Our trampling feet made waves in the garden, which were the fluctuations around which the infant universes coalesced in their first structures. The dilation field yawned beneath existence. Symmetry snapped like glass. Like creases, flaws in space-time collected filaments of dark matter that inhaled and kindled the first galaxies of suns. And still we grappled. Our rolling bodies pushed things out of the garden. Worms and scurrying life from the fertile soil. Wet things from the pools and the leaves. They came out into the madness of primordial space. They thrashed and became large. And I won. I won because a gardener always stops to offer peace, and when they do, I always strike. But by then it didn't matter. The game was over. The garden had given birth to creation, the rules were in place, and there would never be a second chance. We played in the cosmos now. We played for everything. And the pattern in the flowers, terrified by our contention, were no longer the inevitable victors of a game whose rules had suddenly changed and they passed into the newborn cosmos to escape us. I, I will say, this: <clears throat> the level of violent intimacy of this entire entry is very effective. I will say that, at getting a point across. Like, everything about... Like, there's, there's a certain level of violent natural tendencies as far as the re- the reproduction process that this captures very well as far as like just mating in natural wilds like if you've seen National Geographic you probably understand what I mean as far as like animals not necessarily having a going about reproduction in a loving manner <laughs> yeah much more for- forceful and violent um, <clears throat> and this is very much kind of captures that what were you gonna say? Isn't that how you're supposed to do it? 
So rough and as violent. As long as it's done right. Yeah, as long as it's done right. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that I liked about this is it's very much a. It's there's a focus in it that's talking about the preparation for birth, essentially, and it's a good workup to preparing for the birth of something new into reality. And that's what I think this is, is essentially we're, we are watching the, essentially the reproduction of the light and the darkness, creating something new within the galaxy and within the reality that we live in. And that through this violent union of clashing, we have all of the life that exists in our reality today, uh, or today in destiny. So that's basically what I took out of it was that all of the these these new this I guess the sex of the light and the darkness <laughs> or kid you got something to say about that <laughs> nope I do not nope Elemis, do you got something i I think you said it brilliantly um you know picking out some of the finer details I like how they they brought the tree of silver wings back in mm-hmm. um because oh. i mean me being a titan that points right back to ruin wings by the way i would like to point out that the stump that everybody says oh, oh yeah look in the look in the garden whenever they're in the black garden and they're looking out over it they see the stump mm-hmm. that's left over you can very clearly see in D one when you go back into the into the Black Garden that it's a rock. <laughs> that is just a really really big rock. So I am not so quick as to say that that big gigantic stump is the Tree of Silver Wings like they're talking about. But I, I get the reference to it and everything. But if it is, then essentially it's been petrified. Yeah, which is understandable considering how old it is. Right, like it existed before time. <clears throat> so, like, it's understandable if it's petrified. Um, before trees even had definition. Right, but I would, I don't necessarily tend to believe that that's the a stump necessarily. I think it's just a a good callback to it. I don't think it's an interesting rock formation. But yeah, anyway. But no, it this entry. Like we joked about it, but it had a lot of intimate wording. Um, but we do see that, you know, the winnower and the uh, the gardener actually fought over the garden, and that's how creation came about. Um, again, like. They were talking about worms and scurrying life. Mm-hmm. Um, they thrashed and became large. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, it's still <laughs> so. Like, a lot of theories that that we discussed last episode could still but, very well be applying here. Mm-hmm. Well, and the whole idea of the thrashing because they were talking about the the darkness or the winnower and the gardener also thrashing that that was their manner of creating this chaos and yeah making things so if the worms and insects are now thrashing about and 
becoming large that you'll be talking about the power that they gain through those conflicts. So that would make sense along going on with the, uh, the concept of the sword logic. I thought you said threshing for a second, and I'm like, no, that's the opposite. Threshing? No, no, no threshing. This is this opposite. Lots of, lots of, lots of thrashing. Thrashing is not threshing. Well, yeah. technically, there's like a little bit of it, but. All right. I also found. Are you a, ready to move on to the next reading? I also found a lore entry that I'm going to be reading at the very end. Um, MK oh, at the very very end. MK44 standasides also relates back to this. Okay. Another Titan. Cool. Those are exotic. No, because those also had the silver wings on them, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Bonus. Yep. <clears throat> Why don't you just bring the silver? Read the silver wings one too, or you read it last week, I guess. Is it pertinent to the end of it, or is it more pertinent right now? Uh, more pertinent down right now. Then read it right now. Oh, yeah, Who cares if we'll stuff is in order? All right. Um. So I look. We make our own rules around here. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Heaven's not here. He can't tell us what to do. <laughs> I'm eating crackers. You hear that, Hyven? I have food in my mouth. Uh, be glad it's the only thing. <laughs> Instead of Rick's meat. <laughs> I hate you so much. Crackers almost came out your nose, didn't they? Yeah. You know how weird it feels when cracker comes out your nose? It doesn't feel good. Probably not as bad as tequila. So, yeah. That I can verify. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Right? I've had tequila come out my nose. I was in a sorority. What do you think I did when I was in college? Somebody paid me because they wanted to see me drink. That's hilarious. Somebody gave me a credit card swipe in the middle of drinking a uh, margarita. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. um, Speaking of the the tree with silver wings, I had looked Mm up last time, uh, Ruin Wings. This time, I looked up MK44 Stanisides, which are Titan Legs. Um, Mm -hmm. dealing with various shoulder charges. Um, The flavor text reads, pardon me coming through. And the lore tab actually reads, the tree in the garden with silver wings. The air around it is oppressive and inspires violence in those who even breathe a little in. Shards of the disastrous bark peel from it and litter the ground, and nothing grows in its shadow. It scintillates faintly at dusk it has achieved its entelechy entelechy um with every body falling every civilization laid to waste every leaf forged into instruments of ruin the gardener is hard to bother she is constantly amidst her weeds kneeling in the tangent dust gloves covered in a mix of distant soils and metallic saps she is listening to the music of the insects amidst the flowers, the unguent as it begins to drip from the ferns, the slight scratch of the worm beneath, and not to you, and certainly not to your cries for help. 
and that came with Curse of Osiris. Mm-hmm. Almost a year before Forsaken, two years before know. unveiling. I like how the it talks about the whole thing of basically nothing grows underneath the tree. We talk about the silver wing or the silver tree, silver wing tree in the garden. How they ended up cutting it down or essentially burning it down. Yeah. But from the sound of it, the the silver wing tree was definitely a what's the word I'm looking for? Malevolent force almost. It almost feels like a malevolent kind of existence beneath it where it's just oppressive and almost sounds more like a like this is the winner's plant yeah like this like that's that was the winner's contribution to the garden was this tree of silver wings and osiris just planted a fucking seed (laughs) right (laughs) freaking warlocks thanks mara Freaking warlocks. Freaking Osiris not telling his burb husband where he was going before he went to go get that fucking seed. Let's see, if he told the burb husband, burb husband would have been like, yes, make a tree for burbs to land on. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Uh. Nice. All right. Alright, the next entry is the Cambrian Explosion. Beings who deserve no thought. Those who peddled the tired gotcha that all life hastens entropy. They are fatuous little nihilists who pretend to prefer no existence to a flawed one. They bore me. Those who seek to delay the challenge that all things desiring existence must overcome. Those who describe false moral equivalents. Now, I could not possibly communicate with you unless I could emulate your mind, and with that mind I acquire the moralities that govern you. By your laws, I and my followers are evil. Evil. Since that first molecule coiled in the primordial sea, not one earth-born thing has known a monster like me. But did you know that I created you? Your mind and your body and every thought you've ever had. Your senses, your consciousness, I made you. Not the gardener, but I. Then I reach out and place my special mark upon you. No, nothing so crude. In the beginning, your world was a garden too. The whole floor of the world sea was a mat of bacteria, and the very first animals, adorable blobs of ooze, grazed upon the mat in endless idle. They had no concept of the existence of other beings. Why would they? The most complex function was a kind of gentle spasm to scoot forward while they grazed. And if they bumped into each other on that warm seabed, all they did was ooze onward, untroubled. There was nothing to their life except the uptake of carbon compounds from the bacterial bed. And then, one day, the fall occurred. So much earlier and so much more necessary than your myths remember, some poor mutant discovered that it could collect carbon compounds much faster if it stopped grazing on the bacterial mat and started dissecting and eating the lumps of predigested carbon around it, its neighbor ooze balls. It couldn't help but do it. 
we couldn't help but thrive. We don't get a choice about the rules, we just play the game. It was the first defector, the first predator. It changed everything. Now the ooze-balls needed sensors to watch for danger, and brains to integrate those senses in general plans of survival, and swift neurons and muscles to enact that plan. This was the Cambrian explosion, the great birth of complex life on your world. I caused it. The defector. The destroyer. The one who takes. It seems very crazy to me that, and like, he, the winner might be telling the truth. That No, he's you know, literally telling the truth. That's how it happened in science. <laughs> I was going to say he might be telling the truth about the fact that, you know, your mind and your body and every thought you've ever had, your senses, your consciousness, I made you not the gardener, but I. No, I was talking about the Cambrian explosion that actually happened. It was like 540 million years ago. Well, yeah. <clears throat> that wasn't what I was pointing at. <laughs> Thumpy both in the head. <laughs> um, but the science. The science is there. The science is there. It's so good. But I'm specifically looking at the winnower and his intentions. Like, he's trying to win us over to his side, slowly but surely, by like... I'm on his side. His side of science. <laughs> or her. Right, or her. Because we see a bunch of feminine twin sisters. figures. I'm... Statues. I'm, or, or I'm into both those things, so... <laughs> You're just um, making it better and better and better. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Hashtag Team Darkness. God. But no, I, I, I get what you're saying, though. Almost, um, anyways, I really like the this whole talking about it, like the blending of the science with the with the idea that the darkness is the progenitor of it all. Like, a, the way I've always seen the darkness versus the light is essentially theology versus evolution. Where on one side you have faith, on the other side you have science. And logic, reasoning, falling into science, um, and just hope and other feelings like that falling into uh, faith. Where if you really look back and talk about, okay, well, what is it that makes us who we are? What is it that makes a human being think the way they do, act the way they do, feel the way they do? Everything that we have, every reaction and behavior that we have can be traced back to something in our past that has occurred to teach us the way to react and the way to act. Yep. Um, this goes from everything from you know, math, science, the stuff we learn in schools to you know, putting your hand on the stove and burning yourself not to touch things that are hot, um, how to have proper emotional responses whenever you're dealing with, you know, learning from your parents and how they respond in fights and, dis and disagreements, arguments, so on and so forth. Uh, what love looks like. These are all learned emotions. And from the very basic life form on up, 
these traits keep getting passed on. So by the Winnower claiming to have been there or to have been the cause of this ooze-ball essentially starting that whole process of evolution on Earth's entire uh, ecosystem, then that very, very, very much is claiming responsibility and essentially what it would end up to become us as human beings if he would, if yep. she or he was involved in the culmination of the act, or not culmination, but the origination of the necessity for evolution. And it's essentially what gave birth to everything on our planet at its current state. So it it very well would mean that the winner was responsible for our existence. Yeah. Now, like, that just gets my mind started going on this, this tangent of, like, the winners trying to win us over to their side <clears throat> by saying, essentially, you know, I'm your daddy. Um, so that we... That's a good way to make people listen. <laughs> right right um but like essentially they're they're trying to win us over to their side so that we will start working as an agent of the winnower potentially uh, and i've definitely got some spin for it to go on to after we get done with this one or after we get done with the book that will work into that theory and and it's 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 fun to think about because you're like i've Guardians have always been agents of the light or agents of the traveler. And to see mm-hmm. us move away from that is is going to be interesting. Because I can see certain individuals doing that. Like the mm-hmm. Shadows of oh, Yore. Yeah, absolutely. Um even though they've retired. Mm-hmm. You know, they I could I, see them coming. I, I wouldn't say the Shadows of Yore would want to be part of the darkness is because the very if anything the shadows of your remind me more of the most devout but misled followers of the light like they they are definitely in the true shadows anyway the dredgen right yeah i could definitely see the dredgen doing that the shadows of your i would see at the forefront battling for the light i i yeah i could see them misleading the winner possibly to understand how it works find out what Mm -hmm. it actually does and then using that against it but Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the dredger would be screwed (laughs) the dredger wouldn't have any chance oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah all those wannabe dredgens myself included Mm -hmm. oh yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> Any thoughts, Orchid? I've just been thinking about science this entire time and completely ignoring you guys. Is there anything scientific to add to this, then? Stuff I learned in geology when I got my undergrad. Like what? I don't know. Just <laughs> stuff. Just <laughs> thinking of stuff. He pretty much mm-hmm. said everything. I mean, like, I don't know what else you want to say. Like, the... What they really think is because there was so much oxygen being made, and mm-hmm. that's what caused it. So, like, suddenly the Earth has enough oxygen to sustain, like, multicellular life. And that's why the Cambrian explosion happened. Also, I really like she to say... Th- 
I also like to say the word Ordovician. It's a great word that came what before the Cambrian. It's just one of the like. So you said that the Cambrian explosion, scientifically, according to what we true science actually explains right now, is that there was an uptick in oxygen levels. Mm-hmm. Because was all the algae, yeah, because all the algae was um, all the plant life. And mm-hmm. what was just like single cell algae were all um, getting rid of oxygen. So it put oxygen in the air. Huh. It made oxygen. It's essentially what it is. Very well then. Yeah. There's nothing to say about it. I was just like sitting way. here, like enjoying, well, like thinking about trilobites. Well, I actually like finding out about those kinds of things because it's. In a lot of cases, Bungie has snuck in an extra tidbit of information where if you really look at, okay, what's going on here? Or what is the actual scientific definition behind it? Like, for instance, when they first launched the uh, the Weblore series talking about, uh, what was it? I think Anna going out, and, or it was either Anna or Osiris 1. I think Osiris was the first one that went out there. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about pushing out to the edge of the system. Like, we found yeah. out that Osiris ran into the ships out at the edge of the system because of the navigational computer using the actual the Kaiba or the Kyber belt mm-hmm. as a uh, as its destination. And everybody's like, okay, if you don't actually look into that and figure out, okay, what does it mean if you just take it as, oh, it's just code or computer code, whatever, mm-hmm. then it might not be something looks in, looks into or looked into. But because of the fact that you have people who know enough about science and who know about these things mm-hmm. adding in saying hey look this is where it's located in our solar system this thing's right outside of our solar system right now <laughs> yeah essentially the kuiper belt is what separates neptune from pluto pluto mm-hmm. is technically like in the kuiper belt sort of i don't know pluto i a lot of people think, I think it is, should it, still be a planet but it's not on the planetary plane which is why it's not it's not the size it's the fact that its orbit is so irregular that it can't be considered a planet, and they think it was captured. So it just needs That's a little more yogurt to be regular. No. Which, inter- <laughs> interestingly enough, is on the wall that's in there with Rasputin, isn't there a planet past the Kuiper Belt? Yes. There is one actually past the Kuiper Belt. There's like a two- real planet? Yeah. It's Pluto and then... There is Planet X or whatever the fuck they've called it because they've discovered it like since yeah. then. And it is actually on the planetary plane. So now they're wondering like how many planets are actually out there. Hmm. So when I did my internship at NASA when I was an undergrad, I worked on the Kepler telescope satellite. Nice. Should be interesting to find out which one on the wall that... The- they decide to make that planet if we even use it. I assumed that the ones on the wall would be like Nessus would be one of them. Mm-hmm. Just because I, like, that's, that's I don't out think there. So, but that's because Nessus has such an irregular orbit. So does Pluto. So does everything. Yeah, I think I think it captured all of the actual planets that we have and like it has enough. Yeah. There's enough spots, spots for all of them. For like there's them. Neptune and Uranus since I'm not going to say Right. Uranus. But Nessus but is do... a planetoid and it like in lore it talked about how it wasn't even supposed to enter our system again for another 135 years. Right. Well, yeah, but what's 135 it, but, okay, but... years to a guardian? But that's the point. Like 
it it has such an irregular orbit pattern that it enters and leaves our system so it wouldn't be up on the chart of system you know the the, the chart of planets. well how old is it it was discovered back in the golden age i believe okay thousands of years ago so they've probably seen it several times and if you have space flight of course you're going to know like about all the other planets just because it's not in the solar system doesn't mean it's not like a part of like the actual solar system itself like pluto's still in the solar system it's just not on the planetary plane isn't it also considered like a like basically right there with uh saturn like that's basically what we're, where we've seen it like nessus like whenever you go to visit Nessa, so there's isn't there always a planet in the top or I don't think so. I'd have to like look at the sky in Destiny. Do you have Destiny open right now? I'm just do. gonna like go so to Nessus. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Because <clears throat> um, it is the way I always looked at it was more relating it to what else for instance, like we've got Phobos that's a moon of a planet. Yep, in Deimos. Yeah, in Deimos. So just trying to, like, that's the way I looked at it was this is, we're only seeing it more as a moon rather than the actual planet itself. I figured we're seeing it. they only had planets up that Rasputin was on and or around. Because it's a Possibly. Rasputin bunker. So, like, why put a planet on right. there that Rasputin does not have some right. sort of presence? Because there's, like, 50-something uh mm-hmm. moons for saturn alone or am i thinking jupiter one of those gaseous planets there's like 50 a lot of moons right right so if there's only one rasputin installation there's only going to be one dot which there is hmm. why aren't there you know 49 others hmm. do you want to know how many moons saturn has hmm Sure. 82. Holy. Mm, yeah. A lot of them are in the the actual like rings. And they're so small that like moon or satellite is like a, a really easy word to put anything into. It just has to have like a regular orbit. I'm on this is nothing. Okay. That answers it. Yeah. Just green sky. And I I looked up the actual entry I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. It is Ghost Fragment Cade 6. Uh, I'm only, mm-hmm. only going to read the snippet for it. Um, okay. Centaur Planetoid 7066 Nessus re-enters system after unexplained delay. Relate. And that's where it cuts off. Uh, and that was a minor event 126 years ago. Hmm. I wonder if the minor delay had to do with the Vex installing themselves on the uh, Centaur. That could be it. The Vex interfered with the actual orbit itself. um, Mm -hmm. Because we know that it was around during the Golden Age because that's how Failsafe got there. Yeah. And then it just disappeared. Which is strange that by that time they would the Vex wouldn't have absorbed failsafe if it's been that long. 
Yeah. I'm also looking at the fact that, like, if it re-entered the system 126 years ago, we were still in the golden age, or the, the city age. Um, so we were dealing oh, with the fallout. 126 years ago? Yes. In the, or, or are you talking about in the city age? Yes. Okay. Um, those were you still thinking because <laughs> Because this is literally Cade at a terminal typing in. 126 years ago, I'm way older than that. And then it, it lists out events that happened. Like mm-hmm. the faction rally or the, the faction war uh, accords. Um, Ikora's first 25 win streak in the Crucible. So like there's a bunch of stuff that actually happened. We were still dealing with Fallen at that point. The Fallen might have been on Nessus. At that point, I would be really interested to see because, like, that's one of the earliest entries we have about Nessus, and I'd be really interested to see what the actual yeah history leading up to us going there was, you know, yeah. Jupiter only has 79 moons. <laughs> only? <laughs> what a loser. I thought Jupiter had I thought Jupiter had more than Saturn. What a no. loser planet. Hmm. Only 79 moons. No, they found more on Saturn, so that's why Saturn's winning right now. It's a constant competition. Jeez. Jupiter always right. has the prettiest moons. You can see those with like a basic set of binoculars if it's dark enough. The four Galilean moons. Okay. Anyway. Destiny. Oh, I get the fun one to read. Yes, you do. You're welcome, since I assigned them. (laughs) Anyway. I'll be covering pattern fall. Patterns that escaped the garden landed in the water. Of course, there was no water at first. The patterns were abstract waves tumbling through the fire of the early universe, trapped in chaos, cycling through desperate self-preservation tautologies, while vast beings from beyond the narrow dominion of cause and effect thrashed and battled around them. For an eon, they were nothing but screaming equation vermin, scurrying through the quantum foam, fleeing ultimate erasure. But they were tenacious. They propagated in the saline meltwater of comets orbiting the first stars. That broth of chemicals became their substrate, and they learned to catalyze impossible chemistry with quantum tricks. Then they rained from the sky into the steaming seas of fallow worlds, and there they built their first housings from geometry and silica. In all their transformations, they retained their kernel of ultimate self-sufficiency that had made them victors in the flower game. But they are not incontrovertibly destined to rule this cosmos. They were made before light and darkness, but the rules are different now, and even this pattern must adapt. They are not all mine, not in the way that 
admirers such as my man Oryx are mine. Utterly devoted to the practice of my principle. But some of them have, nonetheless, found their way home. Well, I love that. I love and hate that last line. Why? Tell me more. My man Oryx. <laughs> That's why I love it. It's it's because you it got stirs this, the pot. I love it <laughs> because you've got this this celestial being, like the winnower is is bigger than life, right? And it talks about you know his admirers, like his man Oryx. Like what? Why the? Why are you talking like that? He's like, Oryx is my bro. Like, bruh, Oryx came to the system and then it was like, pew, pew. So the reason why I hate and love this is, yes, number one, you you got this being that's just being extremely, I guess, extremely what I would see as being professional speech pattern and just Mm -hmm. very serious throughout the entire stretch of this and then randomly out of nowhere it just breaks it yeah like it's my man oryx and it's just like number one oryx wasn't a man undefined it was it was was female he ended as king a man but yeah as a male as a male Gender is like a male gender assignment. Yes. Yeah. It's, it was. It was a role. Yeah. So it, in and that whole the the hive sexuality thing is definitely one of those things I'm like really interested in digging more into and finding out exactly how that whole thing works. Not like that orchid. <laughs> that wizard. It came on the moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Uh, but then again, it also goes, is kind of a hearkening back to the last card where it talked about, uh, what was it? Um, where it's hard. Yeah. There we go. Those who describe more liquid. All right. I could not possibly communicate with you unless I could emulate your mind. And with that mind, I acquire the moralities that govern you. But if it's talking about emulating our mind, then it's also essentially grabbing it's bits and pieces from our vernacular and trying to understand and be able to relate to us. So <clears throat> I guess it's, it's, that's is that's the winner's way of hearkening the relationship. Like if we were to say, yeah, my man, like there's a friendship there, you know, there's almost like a brotherhood sort of relationship there. So, I think that that's kind of what the winner was going for and relating, and it just comes off kind of off-putting at first. And I think it was almost intentionally meant to do that so that you kind of take a step back for a second and go, wait, the hell did you just say? (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. Like, it's intentionally written that way because up until now, we've kind of been drinking the Kool-Aid, like, this guy is onto something. And then, you know, they're not mine, not in the way that I admire you know, admirers such as my man Oryx are mine. And it's like, wait. Let's set the Kool-Aid down for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Now, here's another way to look at it. The way we read all these things, it's everything that we're getting, as you said, is transcribed by Eris. It's translated by Eris to us. Mm-hmm. What if you substituted the word... What if the translation that she got for the word man was wrong? And so take that and substitute it with the word pawn. Does it have the same kind of meaning? Yeah. It it would change it. It changes everything. Yeah. But yet you could still very much use them that way because mankind is kind of a pawn of the traveler. Mankind is a pawn in general in this game. So when you take when you think of things like that and take it into context where there might be a case of mistranslation on Eris's part or a misunderstanding on her part of what it means to be this word that the winner uses. She may ascribe it to being man because it's a word that's all, always associated with it. But if that's just how they see mankind is they see man as a pawn, then those two words could very easily get mixed up in translation. Because when you read it back with the word pawn, they are not all mine. Not in the way that admirers such as my pawn oryx are mine. It gives a completely different kind of sound to it. On that same note, who's to say that Eris didn't tamper with this? Like, she translated it directly and then was like, he's, like, just, I need to change this one word in order to make this start seeming like you know because like that would be that would be an interesting departure from eris's dialogue too <laughs> can you imagine eris right. just walking in and being like my girl ikora <laughs> <laughs> right 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 I but like, i think it was to make everything matter which is why she changed it that, that, that was exactly it like i'm i'm looking at the fact that you know we've been going to her every week at this point to get these these translations and some of us were very eager to go to her to get them and she notices that we're eager about these messages what if she because like we've dealt with her for a couple years now and she knows you know kind of knows us so what if she knew what vernacular to throw in there to make us take a step back Yeah. So I didn't read it as that. I read it as like she wrote it that way because she just lost five of her friends and needed it to be worth it and have meaning or it was just meaningless. Also, bitch needs to stop wearing brown. <laughs> yeah, she needs brown to change it up. morning. Would you like it if she were all black? Yes. At least if we match her eyes. Eris and all black would be awesome. And, you know, her reigning mascara. That's that's not, that's hive jizz. We all know that's not mascara. <laughs> no mascara does that. <laughs> She's not in some sort of, like, juggalo band. 
She's not hatchet chopping nettings and things. Oh my god. <laughs> ICP, yo. Oh, oh my god. But no, so like there there could be a bunch of things going on with this. Could be, yes. And it could be any one of those things, or it could be all of it all together. We just, we don't know. Or none. Right. Right. Or it could be none of those. <clears throat> so take ev- all of this with a grain of salt, is all I'm saying. Okay. I love this card. This card is by far my absolute favorite in it because it is the. get to it after i love this card this is this is my card you're welcome since i assigned them thank you thank you so much i like how she's taking credit for this but it was just complete (laughs) fluke it wasn't because i should have been reading the next card all right so it wasn't a fluke Your shoemaker philosopher was right, and it matters more than anything. Sorrow cannot survive death, and it cannot precede birth. Those who exist have moral worth, and those who do not have none. Think about it. Do you mourn the uncreated? Do you grieve for those who were never born in a nation that never developed, around an ideology no one ever imagined, on a continent that never formed? No. And from that self-evident truth, you must raise your eyes to the ultimate revelation. Those who cannot sustain their own claim to existence belong to the same moral category as those who never existed at all. Existence is the first and truest proof of the right to exist. Those who cannot claim and hold existence do not deserve it. This is the true and only divination, a game whose losers are not just forgotten, but are never born at all. That which cannot claim and hold existence is not real. You do not mourn the unreal. Why should you care for it? Tend it. Guard it. It was the first... It was the gardener that chose you from the dead. I wouldn't have done that. It's just not in me. But now that they have invested themselves in you, you are incredibly, uniquely special. That wandering refugee chose to make a stand, spend their power to say, Here, I prove myself right. Here, I wager that, given power over physics and the trust of absolute freedom, people will choose to build and protect the gentle kingdom ringed in spears, and not fall to temptation, and not surrender to division, and never yield to the cynicism that says everyone else is so good that I can afford to be a little evil. The gardener is all in. They are playing for keeps. And they are wrong. Or so I argue. For after all, the universe is undecidable. There is no destiny. We're all making this up as we go along. Neither the gardener nor I for certain... Neither the gardener nor I know for certain that we're eternally, universally right. But we can be nothing except what we are. You have a choice. You are the gardener's final argument. 
it would mean everything if I could convince you that I am the right and only way. I truly value you. To the gardener you are a means to an end. To me, you are majestic. Majestic. You are full of the only thing worth anything at all. I am by the only standard that matters or will ever matter, the winning team. Existence is a test that most will fail. Would you not count yourself among the victorious few? Don't hurry to deliver your answer. I'll come over and hear it myself. Darkness is thirsty. Right, just a bit. I really like this because um, it at this point like we just think the darkness is evil but the darkness is really trying to woo us because they're like hey this is callous <laughs> with his sweet meats <laughs> fucking you know what like the darkness that actually... is not callous it's not <laughs> it's not that self-centered it is that self-centered, though. But is, is it about to That's say, isn't completely it, self-centered. I am by the only but definition like, that matters or ever will matter. He's so the narcissistic. Right, the, the okay, team. okay. It's it's self-centered in a different way than callous. No, it's like it's two sides of the same coin. It really it's, is. It's self-centered in the I am universe. I am an infallible universal power versus callous, who is just like I'm freaking amazing. <laughs> Well, and like with Callus, it's it's literally, I, I'm gonna be the last one alive. Everybody else is gonna die. I'm just gonna be the last every, one to see it. And everybody should be happy to be the last one. Or that I should be the last one to be alive. Right. Whereas, well, he's doing them the a favor of taking them out before him because then he'll have to see like the end of all things, and he's the only one left before the darkness takes him out. Darn. <laughs> no, he thinks he's being like generous with his gift of taking of getting rid of everybody beforehand. And the darkness thinks that it's being generous by appealing to our own narcissism being something that can't be killed. Like what's more narcissistic than being able to run around and be like, "Yeah, I'm fucking immortal." Yeah. Like, Guardians died. Cade died. Like, there's no coming back from that. Like, mm-hmm. but the majority of Guardians are just, they've been running around for thousands of years. New Guardians are made Watch all the time. Watch me throw myself off this cliff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeet Titans. Like, <laughs> like middle Not even Yeet Titans. No, like, g- fucking, like, Warlocks who are like, how many different ways can I die? Let me count them. Oh, like, yeah. Thanatonauts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna die just to see what's on the other side of death. Yeah, exactly. Choke yeah. me a little bit more, so I know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, if you wanted to argue that like Callus and the Darkness are similar, they totally are, and they're like the same kind mm-hmm. of narcissism too. Yeah, I was married to a narcissist. I know exactly how they work. Yep. Mm-hmm. All I know is, Wicked, you, you read the line, there is no destiny. I sat here and I'm like, then what have I been playing for the last five or six years? A 
<laughs> it's called the waste of time simulator. I've enjoyed every moment of it. Bad it's not idea. a waste of time. Bad. Uh, you know what? You can enjoy wasting time. But it's a waste of time only to the people who define what waste of time is. Obviously, we're none of us think it's a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> people who don't play video games are like, the fuck are you doing with your life? And then quarantine hits and they're like, I'm going to try video games. Not waste. Not wasting it commenting on Twitter about how much I hate it the way everybody else is living their life. I know, right? <laughs> That's what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> You're just being real Karens about the world right now. Uh, I apologize to all Karens who play Destiny. It's not you that we're talking about. It's all the other ones that don't play Destiny. We're talking about those bitches. Just don't ask to see our supervisor. <laughs> Bitch, I am your supervisor. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> there were two parts in this that I actually really liked. Um, you know, it was the gardener that chose you from the dead. I wouldn't have done that. It's just not in me. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's admitting that what I previously, I either what I previously said isn't 100% truthful or, well, now that you're here, I'm going to try persuading you to my side what what do you mean what i said earlier wasn't 100 percent truthful uh what he said earlier was uh your mind and your body and every thought you've had or ever had your senses your consciousness i made you not the gardener but i Mm-hmm. i don't think it's necessarily lying because he's he did, or the gar- the Windward did sculpt our species. It sculpted what made us human. Right. Gardener just gave, the gardener just gave us rebirth. But also in the same mat, in the same fat, in the same way, the gardener, if you think about it, as far as what the gardener provides, what the gardener is responsible for, and then what the winnower is responsible for. The winnower is responsible for basically causing all conflict to the end of ending things. So the winner, the winnower could be related to every single force out there that's a as a force of danger, uh, like natural selection. Could be related to the, the winnower in action in reality, and from the way I'm seeing it. So really, when it comes down to it, the gardener is just responsible for planting the seeds. And the, the the experiences and everything like that, as far as cultivating the crops and everything like that, it's saying that the gardener is there, but the entire step along the process, the winnower is right there hand in hand with her. Where the winnower is providing all of these opportunities for those seeds to fail those seeds to die so only the crops that are worth blooming and sprouting actually sprout only the crops that are that pass this test can actually be allowed to bear fruit and every step of the growing process the gardener and the winnower are right there with each other hand in hand kind of gives that whole yin and yang balance to it where you have to have a balance of light and dark because if you don't if you have a field of light of complete darkness and complete light where one's on one side, one's on the other. You got half the field is growing out of control. The other half of the field is completely dead. Yeah. 
So across the field, you have to have an even balance. So that requires the gardener and the winnower to walk hand in hand and be equal parts in the growing process of everything. So yes, yes, the the winnower is responsible. I don't think it's, I think it's being dismissive of how responsible the gardener also was. Right. And it's hiding that from us. Right. Um, and like, and that, at this point, we're only seeing half the argument. Like, we're literally just hearing from the winnower mm-hmm. saying, oh yeah, I'm responsible for your planet being the way it is. Um, but the gardener revived you from, from death. And at that point, it's, I, I'm looking at guardian lives and I'm like, if the winnower is taking credit for everything that led up to my character's first death and then the state of the world, I I can't see that the winnower taking credit for my entire guardian life because that okay. was from the gardener. Uh, mm. your birth yes but again it goes back to what creates what is it that sculpts us from the moment of our birth in making us into all these other things it's all of these instances where you have that evolutionary drive the the points where you're going to be facing hardship since the day or since the moment really that our guardian was reborn we have been facing the winnower we have been facing the parts of reality that are trying to kill us. So yeah. once again, the winnower is right there with us. Whether it's this, as far as a concept, as far as a, a building block to reality, not as far as this actual dark entity. <clears throat> Which I do believe, I do believe there is an actual entity, but I believe that entity is a poser. So we'll see. We'll see this fall i'm i'm mm. we will like i said I, I have my own spin foil to this one i'll i'll wait until after orchid's done with our next next little reading to go into that. yeah okay and like i i do see your point um but i'm also looking at the fact that like our first fighting was with the fallen which like that entire situation was because of the traveler moving on because it left them right so mm-hmm. like that could that could just be the gardener and their hand in everything again rather than the winnower pushing that, them to kill humanity but it also goes back to when did the traveler leave the elixir the whirlwind Right. If the Traveler had up and just left the Elixni and Elixni civilization had carried on just fine without it and nothing bad had happened to them after that point, I don't think they'd necessarily be trying to like hunt it down and kill anybody else that, it, that got involved with it. I think they'd be, yeah, they might be a little bit upset because they're like, hey, what the heck? Right. But I don't think that a species would be... They wouldn't be as desperate adamantly. as they are right now. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which then makes me think so, that something... like the the winnower was following the traveler. They happened across the fallen, and then well, yeah, 
That's, that's yeah. how it's been since the very beginning. The Winnower and the the Winnower is constantly being, like I said, Winnower and Gardner hand in hand everywhere they go. Yeah. What happened to all the fallen guardians? <laughs> to our knowledge, we do not know of any that we do not know of any other species that had resurrected guardians. We know that they were using paracausal weaponry. We don't necessarily know that those par- that any of the paracausal weapons were actual guardian-like entities. And that's mostly because the guard, the guard, or the uh, traveler, only created ghosts because it took a final on stand on Earth. And we don't even know if the if the traveler actually made them. We just know that Clovis Bray made the there's ghosts. Lots of, there's lots of hints that say that the ghosts came from the traveler itself. There's a lot of personal accounts from people that say that the travelers or that the ghosts came from the traveler. We do not have anything undeniable that says that the ghosts were made by the traveler. Right. It, we've got the ghosts that say it. We've got so, people that say it. We don't have we, anything that have, says against it. But the people say it we, because the ghosts. We say do it. have hints to say that there's other things against it. Yeah. For instance, the mention the mention of the Clovis Bray drones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big one. Yep. And how similar the ghosts look to the Clovis Bray drones, apparently. So there's Yeah. <laughs> so to answer your question, there were no guardians before Earth. Okay. That we know of. I don't know why I assumed that, like, wherever the Traveler went, it just, like, shat out a bunch of Guardians and then moved on. (laughs) (laughs) It just had, like, a clutch of ghosts and left. (laughs) Here, let me just shit out ghosts. All right. See you guys. Bye. Right. Can you imagine the absolute chaos of that? Oh, my God. Right? Like, just randomly creating warlords everywhere. Can you imagine you know them be... coming to Earth and having just as much power as we do? They already give us problems. Hell, Gull <laughs> took the Traveler's light and we saw four, what that happened. Four hands with flaming hammers in them. <laughs> That's all I see is four hands with flaming hammers. Just Right? Just like... Two just malls. constantly throwing... <laughs> no, like explosive hammers, but four of them at once. Like no, thank you. Oh, oh my god, that think, would be amazing. You think the elixir are bad? You think the elixir are bad right now with their cloaking technology and daggers? Imagine how bad they'd be as night stalkers. Oh fuck. <laughs> well, who's to say that like our interpretation of the powers of the traveler would be their interpretation of the powers of the traveler? Right, they could That's have true. something completely different. Instead of a bow, the elixir just have a really elongated tongue and just shoots out and wraps people up. Honestly, like their pyrocausal weapons could be their what they interpreted it as, but we'll never know. Yeah. This is true because they don't talk to us. So, no. except for Mithrax and Spider. Mithrax, Spider's weird. Yeah, spider. he's like eerily like. Like Italian mafia, like sexy. Yeah, he is. But also a little bit of. I take a little bit of grandpa. pride out of that because I'm Italian. I, know. <laughs> the, the I said Buffalo, that. For you. He's also got a little bit of Buffalo Bob mixed in with him, or Buffalo Bill. Again, 
Would you fuck it, me? It puts, I'd fuck it me. It puts the lotion on its skin. That, yeah. Or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely has a little bit of that mixed in, too. It's just like... Mm, it puts the lotion on me? the skin or it gets the hose again. I'd fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> As he's got a ghost shell just yeah. sitting there. Fucking <laughs> oh, God. The ghost shell own a hole. Just get rid of the eyeball. There's the if you look at all the ghosts, thing. none of them have eyes. He poked all the eyes he out. So. Oh, eyes out. <laughs> fucking no! Well, that means he has a really tiny dick because the go- when he plays with a ghost in his hand, it's like the size of a tennis ball. Yeah. Unless it's the ones from D one. I invite you if you get the chance to go back into D one and look at the Vanguard and Shax's ghosts. Oh, They're yeah. freaking huge. Uh huh. Well, Shax has a really big dick, so he's got to put it somewhere. He's got all that BDE. <laughs> Why is he putting it in the ghost? <laughs> well, in D1, he would need to because he, he, he lacked the spine Mara. in D1. He didn't fuck Mara yet. In D1? No, oh, yeah, he, did. he did. Oh, well then. Oh, okay. Well then, there's there's nothing we can do about that. Maybe that's the reason Cause, why. is because he, he never, never got any again after that. Nope. <laughs> right, right. But no, because like everybody's favorite, you know, line, the helmet stayed on, that happened right before Taken King. Forgot about that. But yeah, freaking, I went back and did and played D1 and that was just, oh my God, he is so... He is so much less intimidating in D one. Yeah, he's not intimidating in D two, though. No, no, no. Just like if you like look, walk up to him, just the way he talks, the way he carries himself, his character, the 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 voice actor did a much better job of doing a projecting kind mm-hmm. of dominant voice in D two yeah. than they did in D one. So I like that. All I know is my my daddy issues didn't happen until D two. So. <laughs> Oh, really? I wasn't fighting for Shax's approval in D1. And then D2 happened, and now I want Shax's approval. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I love the confused look on your face, Orchid. Well, okay. (laughs) All right. I'm going to read this next card. It's the last final one. I know. We're here, guys. We made it. This is Trust and Hope. Friend, over the past five years, we Lightbearers, you Lightbearers, have grown strong. Each victory opens more territory for searching ghosts, and more guardians rise. None of these newborn contenders are mighty without equal, but you have been at the forefront again and again. To see you fall would be disastrous, and there are so many ways to fall. It has become fashionable lately to analyze light and darkness, as if they were political opponents, each with something to offer us. Some guardians even take secret names to mark their transgressions. I despise this flirtation. But I cannot speak against it. After all, I have had to find my own pathways to power. Thus... I asked my queen, who has preached a doctrine of balance, if she truly believed in the equal worth of light and dark. The Awoken were made in conflict, she reminded me. All her people volunteered to return from heaven, to fight and die in the cosmic war. They are by nature and by doom drawn to that edge, that place of tension. 
and she has her own prejudices. She has made terrible, ruthless choices in the name of salvation from darkness, so she cannot dismiss its power without, in a way, dismissing herself. All that said, she told me, I believe in balance, but to seek balance is not to seek equity. A sea half of water and half of poison is not in balance. A body half alive and half dead is not in balance. Given the choice to live in any world, any world at all, we would need a little darkness in it, I think, to keep the balance true, but not so much as we would need the light. What do you think, Erismorn, when you went into that pit, your light against the clawing darkness, did you feel balance? No, I did not. I felt overwhelming, all-consuming evil. I think a world of balance would fight the darkness, because darkness unchecked is darkness thriving. I think that a world of balance would never mistake the excitement of transgression or the grim necessity of trespass for a genuinely righteous act. We must remember the value of unshakable, irrational hope. The choice to act as if we lived in a better world can create a place for that better world to exist. I do not think that a good guardian can even for a moment entertain the darkness. This is a power that has devoured worlds beyond knowing, a power that has practiced its appeals against entire Zeta lives. There is no defense against it except to avoid the battle entirely. It is a sign of self-respect, Ariana always said, to fearlessly question our deepest beliefs. But it will always be rank foolishness to leap into a vat of plutonium salt and call it self-exploration. And to tempt your friends into that vat with you. That is evil. Thank you for being so worthy of trust. Thank you for carrying my hope. Eris. I would like to point out how absolutely ironic it is that Ariana makes that statement. Right. right at the very end. Considering she did just, throwing just that, that, out that. There for all the Yeah, throwing that out there for all the people who hate on Toland. Freaking Yeah, that that's exactly what Ariana did. Yeah. That was exactly <laughs> what she did. Like, I love Ariana, but that was exactly what she did. Mm-hmm. I think that entire fire team had issues. Oh yeah, they all did. Mm-hmm. Vel was not a good titan. No, he died first. He didn't even make it. He 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 bad sneaky titan. <laughs> like, dude, <laughs> pop a bubble. <laughs> he had shiny knees. There was no going back. The yeah. only way to titan is to knee something in the face and then die and wait for the res. I was taught that by the greatest of all titans. <laughs> but the res never came. The res <laughs> never came. The res never came. <laughs> <laughs> right after the thrall just chewed his junk off would you want to come back with no junk though you might as well just let Ho- them die at that hopefully point. the ghost could find a version in another reality that actually still had his junk intact no every reality no junk and so <laughs> val was so just bad. like no sausages nah. for hive val val ew <laughs> can you just imagine them finding all of his bodies and there's just like a pile of like dick sausages that like the hive have and then he's like it's not worth bringing my body back if they're just gonna keep making dick sausage well but like oh God. but like so so <laughs> that itself like 
goes into the whole idea of how does the resing process work? I don't know. Ask all oh, the different factions. They've actually brought that up in a in a lore card. Yeah, in ghost uh, stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they talked about basically being able to find another ghost or another another version of them version in a different timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a different timeline, using that as a blueprint and then building their guardian back up off of it. Right. Yep. So if the ghost couldn't do that for Vel, like in every that's, timeline, that's why we have our dark. Yeah, that's why we have darkness zones. I think because that's essentially because Vel's ghost sucks. I'm pretty. I don't. Uh, I think it was Vel. I'm pretty sure it was Vel that sucked. <laughs> Vel is shiny knees. But like, my point is, in every timeline. He died in that mm-hmm. same way. Yep. Destiny. That team was destined to die. Boo. I wasn't even actually trying to make a Just pun. Saying. Yeah, I mean he's he's right. That's basically what it comes down to is that we are every time that we go into these we're playing this game, every time we go to our darkness zone we're basically trying to defy destiny and that's where it comes into the whole thing of us having our paracausal capabilities is that whenever we enter a enter a darkness zone that's destiny telling us you're supposed to die here yep but guardians make our own fate and we said fuck your system (laughs) (laughs) You guys have anything else about Eris's letter? Ick. I think that this was. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, go for go it. Ahead. I was gonna say I think this is very interesting to receive this after getting the cutscene of Eris grabbing the orb, and then looking back at the camera and being like, hey, "Look what I've got!" <laughs> yeah. Really? Why do you gotta keep touching shit? Like, All she, she did it in D1, she grabbed shit. the sword. Yeah, don't touch shit, Eris. Yeah, she, Eris is always touching this shit. This is how She's you get touching. jizz eyeballs, because you fucking yeah, she, touch First everything. she went and grabbed the, the freaking the clutch, she, got, she went and touched the blind clutch, and that took away her eyeballs. Now, and then she went and grabbed Crota's, or Oryx's sword. Yeah, she did. Freaking, yeah. Just grabbed it by the hilt. And yep. Just, you know. <clears throat> but freaking... Touching Orcs' sword. Now she's freaking messing with this damn orb found in the pyramid ship. She just keeps touching shit. It's all swords and orbs. Yep. Swords and balls. This entire game is balls. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) So many balls. If next season is more balls, I don't know if I can handle it. No, next season is a bunch of pyramids. I juggled so many balls this season. I don't think I can juggle all the balls. You get lots of pyramids next season. I do like the pyramids. Honestly, I I think they're going to... I don't see the pyramids being I don't think they're going to be here until... Yeah, I think the pyramids are going to come in the fall expansion. Yep. They're really going to draw out... I think we're going to get the pilot fish of the darkness. Yeah. You know what I think would be really hilarious? Hmm. I think it would be hilarious for them to pull another Destiny 2 release kind of prank on us. Because remember how when Destiny 2 first released, everybody freaking, <clears throat> you know, rushed and we got through. And the big reveal 
was, oh my god, we got to go back to the, we got a new tower, because our old tower got destroyed, now we got a new tower, this is this big spoiler, woo! And that was the end of the campaign, and everybody thought that was it. But as it turned out, you know, you got this freaking uh, extra, or I'm sorry, not, not for that, it was Forsaken, when Forsaken first launched. Everybody thought we got the reef, or the, uh, the Tangled Shore. The Tangled Shore. And then we went through that and we beat all that and it was like, oh, yay, this and the other thing. And then there's this random little quest where it was like, oh, you know, Petra is giving you this extra thing and you can go and you can go somewhere else. And you're like, okay. So we, we go on ahead and we start doing this, you know, Awoken Talisman. And then lo and behold, we unlocked an entirely new destination in addition to the Tangled Shore. Like, I hope they do that as the in, as the crossover from season 11 into 12 the fall expansion i agree where we go where we go from okay we have like no shit a couple of pyramid ships make it into the system or a pyramid ship makes it into the system it's massive we're like oh my god we go on to it we fight uh whoever this new enemy happens to be ghosts the floaty gnomes (laughs) floaty gnomes the floaty gnomes? No, floaty nopes. Because I nope oh, whenever I see them and they're floaty. Oh, floaty nopes. <laughs> yeah, the floaty nopes. So, but yeah, the uh, either whether it be taken, the veil, or whatever they want to call them. And we go into the ship and we crash it and it's like, yeah, this is over. We, we beat the darkness. And then like the closing, the closing sequence of season 11 being us looking up into the sky and there's just thousands of these massive ships now surrounding Earth. And we're just looking up in the air like, oh, shit. It's a real <laughs> Mass Effect 3 situation, is what mm-hmm. you're saying. This is just, mm-hmm. Destiny's just Mass Effect. Destiny, get a new game. Like, get, <laughs> get new ideas. Because Mass Effect already fucking did this. We've already fought the Reapers. I don't need to do it again. Uh, but, so, it's, I don't know. This I'm really looking forward to it, though. I agree. But, so, I have a question for you guys. Okay. One of the things that I liked about this, as far as this whole book, is that it delves into one of the aspects of military strategy that I like the most, uh, and that's essentially kind of like espionage, uh, kind of warfare where you're basically is doing spy tactics, you know, basically under getting under the enemy's skin. But something else that I've been thinking about, uh, especially since I've been going back into D1 and going further into the gameplay there, uh, from the very beginning, we found out uh, a little bit about you know what was going on with the Traveler, that this darkness that was put into the, guard, the, the garden's heart was set there as a time bomb, or not really as a time bomb, but a booby trap, where... It was supposed to be an alarm that whenever something happened to it or whenever it was defeated, it would trigger basically an alarm system to let the darkness know or let, I'm not even going to use the darkness, to let these pyramid ships know, hey, the Traveler has woken back up, right? We know that before that ever happened, since that's what was keeping the Traveler dormant, we know that before that ever happened, the collapse had happened. Before the collapse had ever happened, the hive were on the moon. So we know all these things had happened and all these things had been in place prior to. 
all of this in my mind doesn't sound like necessarily what I view the darkness to be because the darkness even says in there every time that me and the gardener fight I win because when the gardener gets ready to win she always sticks her hand out in friendship she never goes for the killing blow the darkness isn't the one that makes that kind of mistake or the winner isn't the one that makes that kind of mistake the winner will always go for the throat and will always because that's just what it is it's always been that way. That's what it's there for. If the gardener doesn't deserve to live, then it will take out the gardener. With that being said, the hive being on earth, these traps being set, and all this evidence of the darkness supposedly having shown up and then left, or these triangle ships showing up and then left, that doesn't sound like something that the winner, by the very laws of its existence, would be capable of doing. If the gardener or its traveler were weak enough to the point that it could be killed, it's the duty of the winner, by its own existence, to take it out of existence. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. I don't think it can kill it, because if it got killed, then by nature, the winner would no longer need to exist. Possibly. But then it goes back to, that's the winner's logic, though, is that if it can't exist, then it doesn't deserve to exist. Right. So it wouldn't. It doesn't make decisions based on the same kind of morality of trying to preserve itself. If, it, if the winner is not worthy of survival, then by its own laws, it can't survive. Right. So when I was looking at this... <clears throat> it's a zero-sum game. What do you mean? Pretty much. Because there's no winning. No, neither side can win. Well, wrong. One side can win. Either one side wins or nobody wins. I think nobody wins. So there, there is a way for, for at least one side to win okay. to an extent. They cannot have a complete victory, but they can win to an extent. Uh, but before I go into that, Going back into what I was talking about with the tra- uh, tra- or the trap that was set for the Traveler's Awakening and everything else. The Winwer said when the when the Winwer said the gardener always loses because at the end of the game when it's about to win it always reaches out the hand to make the truce. Basically to make make things even and say okay 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 game's done we'll have fun. What if the pyramid ships are the gardener's tools. That's why we see them in the garden. That's why the gardener said, or this extra entity itself says, "I am the, you know, I am your salvation." That's why it places all of these things to make, you know, give the traveler its space to back away. And then the argue, counter argument to that is obviously, well, it said that, you know, the traveler chose us from the dead and it's that, or the gardener chose us from the dead. Doesn't that mean that the traveler is a messenger of, or a tool of the uh, gardener? If it's lying about anything, one of the biggest things or one of the most effective tools of 
espionage and of spy warfare is to make the enemy fight for you, believing that they're fighting against you. Make them work and towards your own goals, making them believe that they are accomplishing their own tasks when then when in fact they're actually working for you and getting the missions and things done that you can. Oh. This entire time in Destiny, we have been doing nothing but culling the weak. We have been doing nothing but ripping the chaff. Oh. And just tearing it from the crops. We have been slowly but surely cutting down every life form that is too weak to rate survival. So we're the winnowers? We are doing the we are doing the winnowers work for them. So the traveler is the winnower. That That's makes more sense than the traveler being the gardener. That is my theory: is that the traveler is actually the winnower, because everywhere the winnower goes, death follows. I like. And that if you theory. remember, the the darkness likes using. This whole aspect of I am your savior. What happened on Fundament? The worms were sitting there talking about we are your salvation. We can we can help you. And we have to go after the traveler. We have to we have to go up there. We have to blame it on that thing. And they used that anger and that frustration with the traveler to get the worms out of the core of Fundament, to get them off the planet. And Whereas all these species and everything were what was keeping everything in the actual uh, Leviathan itself was what was keeping those worms at bay. And even then, uh, it was the Traveler that caused the Syzygy, which ended up mm -hmm. causing the, the God Wave and wiping everything out. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. true. Ooh, I like this theory. So then at this point, are we like... Because this, we're, this we're helping. Because this book was from the Winnower. The book was from supposedly. Again, it goes back to was Eris really being honest, and was she actually interpreting everything correctly? Supposedly, this book was from the Winnower. Right. Now, again, going off of the idea, if the pyramids aren't the Winnower itself, or these orbs. Are from the winner. It's obviously not going to out itself. But what communication have we had with the light? What communication have we had with the gardener? The only times that we've had this communication has been whenever we went to the shard. And here's another theory, another part of the theory that comes in there. The shard was corrupted. Yeah. Right. And we were, this is the first time in all of Destiny that we, specifically we as the Guardian, ever experienced visions from the Traveler, right? Or from the Light, I should say, not even from the Traveler, but from the Light. After we visited the Shard. The corrupted Shard of the Traveler. And, and even then, like, th the visions that you're specifically talking about that came in Forsaken. That was a year after we mm -hmm. dealt with the right. corrupted it shard. It was a year. Correct. Well, actually, no, it wasn't because we got our third power. We got our third powers in. Uh, it was in Forsaken. We got our third. Was it in Forsaken yep. that we got our third subclass? Okay, so yeah. Because I remember having yeah. to defeat Callie for my my 
third character's or my third uh, subclass of seed. Yep, yep, you're right. You're right. But yeah, so if you think about it, we only started experiencing visions and communication with the traveler or with the gardener or light, as it were, after we had or after we had uh, exposed ourselves to this supposedly darkness corrupted shard of the traveler itself. So is it really the darkness that we're exposing ourselves to, or was that corruption actually the real light? I like this theory. There's plenty of stuff that you can definitely twist to argue against it, but I like I like the idea of a complete turnover of basically you're you're completely jacked up. Right. Mrs. Hyden and, and I have always been on team evil traveler. So. This is true. <laughs> now, yeah. and here's the other part. Here's the other part to this. On those pyramid ships, number there's three things that I want to take into account with those. The human-like statues. The interpretations of the gardener and the winnower as, as depicted by those statues are very human. Yeah. By their very vision. So when you take into account something that, number one, this, the human species itself is very young by comparison to the cabal, the freaking fallen, the hive, having a very human form is rather telling in that nature as far as who constructed it. The fact that it's a geometric shape that very much resembles some other technology that exists in our system currently. And the fact that the first evidence that we have of something like the pyramid ships existing is one that crashed during the collapse on our moon. Yep. From basically in the theory that I have, we know from the lore recently that Clovis Bray had a fa- had a failsafe plan that involved Rasputin basically going AWOL and them having to use backup satellites and installations and things like that to defend against them. The theory that I have is what if these triangle ships aren't the darkness, but what was left of humanity after the original war that we pushed out to get away from the traveler. We pushed out to try and this was Clovis Bray, essentially their last ditch effort to get away from what they perceived as being the real enemy. When they found out just how evil the traveler or that the traveler was the darkness, they pushed out of the system to try and get as far away from it as possible, leaving these things like the darkness orb in the actual, uh, garden as a booby trap so that they knew hey if the traveler tries to get out of here if the traveler tries to reactivate and follow us we'll at least have an early warning system that can tell us hey this this threat is back we need to deal with it again i don't think clovis has the technology or had the technology for creating the the heart of the black garden but I wouldn't put it past them to have something off the books. Mm-hmm. Now th- there's 
there is that. There's also the whole idea of the hive on the moon existing prior to and then messing with all kinds of technologies. Uh, I wouldn't put it past it that the hive are actually deformed Clovis Bray technicians from prior to the collapse, in all honesty, <laughs> <laughs> which would be which would be all kinds of jacked up. Um, but yeah, like I said, there's plenty of things to start cut to say, I don't know about that one or this, that, and so it's, there's plenty of things that definitely would have to get clarified in order for that theory to actually come to light and be true. But it would be fun I, if I it like did. I like the idea. Um, because mm-hmm. like, I like this theory because like every time we've, we've heard of the traveler outside of the whole history with the hive. It's always mm-hmm. been, it moves to a planet, terraforms, creates life, and then moves on. Mm-hmm. And then there's the whole bit about the Fallen where, you know, it comes, technology booms, and then the whirlwind happened and it left. Mm-hmm. So, like... But it goes back... It, something else about it that you have to take into account. Remember the comment that I keep making about the darkness and the light going hand in hand? Yes. We also have all of the, I'm sure you've probably seen it, all of the um, the artwork for supposedly what everybody's thinking is going to be season 11 or the, the part past that has a whole bunch of traveler orbs. There's actually one point where you see three characters bent down at the waist and there's, a tr- there's an orb sitting in the middle of them that looks exactly like the traveler itself. And it's put up in a very almost reverent way. Not like something that you would see as being evil, but something that you would see as being respected. So, <laughs> You can respect things and it doesn't have to be good. Correct. Like, you can. fear is a healthier respect, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Or, or, or equality, where you see it right. as a, an, a worthy opponent. Right. You can respect that. That doesn't mean I'm going to go poke it with a stick. The other theory that I have as far as what's on those triangle ships is, of Doritos. course, Nezarek. <laughs> oh. The Doritos. It would be fun to uh, get th- more about Nezarek. I, I think the followers of Nezarek are on those triangle ships. And I, I that's the other theory about it is that either they are Clovis Bray or they're the followers of Nezarek. And that the only reason why the darkness or these triangle ships pushed out of the system was because we defeated Nezarek last time. And that's what's in the four, that's what's in the multiple tombs of Nezarek in our system is basically because it's an old Aztec and lots of old other mythologies in order to kill a God, you have to dismember them. So there's multiple tombs The drifter is one of the resources that says, talks about the tombs of Nezarek where their body parts are basically spread through these tombs and they're going to come back and try and find them again. Well, that's the easiest so hopefully... way to make sure they don't come back to life. <laughs> see now, hopefully, hopefully we find them. See now, like I hope we, I hope we see tombs next year or the next season. See now, like my big thing was as far as the majority of the pyramid ships, I figured that they were staying out of the system specifically because they didn't know exactly where uh, the traveler had gone 
and they had sent one ship onward to scout. And that's what caused the collapse. Mm-hmm. So then... One ship. Something happened. It ended up crashing and being stuck in the moon. And then D2 happens. It signaled all the other pyramid ships. And they're like, oh, well, we found it. <laughs> but as for what's actually on them, I I had no theories. So, like, I really like the idea that the pyramid ships are the agents of the gardener and the traveler is the agent of the winnower. (laughs) But I had no theories outside of that. (laughs) Like, I was just drinking the Kool-Aid saying, oh, yeah, traveler's light. Pyramid ships are dark because the traveler's white. Like, it, it, it. Boil down to like it makes sense. It's the color yeah. scheme as well because <laughs> orchids like everybody knows that white's evil. I'm sorry. <laughs> Have you ever worn white before? It's the worst color to wear. White's but garbage. Like, but like white is a light color. Like the so? actual color scheme made for like determined by white, a you church 2000 years ago it not determined by anything but that because they some asshole a long time ago decided that white was good and black was bad mm. like you don't have to adhere to cultural norms but that's also, the, the thing. traveler's like, evil and it's a great way to be misleading also right. never trust anything where you can't see where it keeps its brain that is the most important thing i ever learned from harry potter you can't see where the hive keep their brain. It's right on the top of their head. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't know where the ghosts keep their brains. In the little ball. Who the fuck is con- no, who the fuck is controlling them? You don't know that. Never trust things that you don't know who controls it. I don't trust ghosts because you don't know who controls them. Don't trust Traveler because you don't know who the fuck made it. Just because it gave you cosmic power doesn't mean you should tr- fucking trust where that power but came like, from. In fact, I am disgusted by everyone who just assumes it's good. Phenomenal cosmic power. Itty bitty living space. space. <laughs> <laughs> but like that was my original ideas. Like it, it was just mm. I hadn't thought too much into it until mm-hmm. unveiling and wicked. Now I'm I'm but starting see. to look at it and I'm like I like your theory. The fact that I you know, we are agents this. of the winnower. It just didn't have a name. <laughs> Orchid's like, I called it Traveler's Evil. <laughs> no, like, Hashtag evil traveler. No, like, honestly, I'm still, at this point, I am still going to be doing what I'm doing. Well, oh, yeah. you're not going to stop doing what you're doing. <laughs> Because you've suddenly decided in your own heart that the traveler is evil. What kind of fucking garbage is that? <laughs> Go do guardian games. That's truly the evil thing. Oh, God. Evil yeah. Avante is something. Wow, we've gone full circle now. She we just have. waltzes right into the tower and is like, I have some fun fucking games for you. And also guns. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of murder. No Go sh- have fun, little kids. No shaders, though, still. Yeah. No, there were two I shaders, actually, but they were tied there to were two triumphs. Shaders. 
And I thought it was hilarious that she actually has a voice line that says, are you here for shaders? I'm sorry. I don't do that anymore. I know. And every time I <laughs> like, hear that, I just that, see Orca I just, just go... sitting there being like, I know you little girl. <laughs> I'm like, I know what you fucking keep in that trunk and it better be emblems and shaders. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> so I think we've gotten final thoughts out of the way. Oh, did you like the book? That's my question. Me? Thank you, yeah. host. Hey, that's my question. I'm the one who invented it. Fuck you. I get to ask it every single time. Just because you're the host doesn't mean you get to do everything. I love the book. I I, I know plenty of people who look at it as another one of those, you know, oh, this is a, a lore book told from somebody's perspective, so it's not really, it doesn't really count for anything. But I like I like seeing this because it's definitely world building. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though you can't necessarily take everything as exact fact, I think it's important to have a balance of that kind of lore as well as the factual lore that you can base things off of. I think that there's, personally in this, this kind of lore leads to more open-ended questions and growth in discussion. Uh, besides just being able to sit there and read something word for word and be like, yes, that is the exact thing. That is exactly what's happening. I like having these where, because they inspire discussion and critical thinking about the plot. So I enjoy it quite thoroughly. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Almas? Um, oh, good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I hadn't read it a whole lot before doing the episodes. So, like, this was kind of somewhat fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and having this discussion is actually a lot... It's more beneficial than I thought it would be. Um, because I'm starting to make those connections and I'm starting to... like. I pulled two Titan exotics out of thin air because of references in these cards. Mm-hmm. It just shows you have a good memory for stuff like this. Well, because like I loved Ruin Wings, like those were my babies, and they looked spectacular. Oh yeah, <laughs> and MK forty four standasides had the same aesthetic. It's just they weren't as good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Didn't have extra heavy, don't care. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well in D one that was a big freaking deal. Oh yeah. Am- ammo economy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You remember the days of having to just hold on to heavy just in case? You remember the days of having scents? Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, so I've had a clanmate who's jumped into D1 and he got all mm-hmm. the way up to power level or light level 400 and he's jumping into raids now. And I jump in, back into D1 and I'm like, oh my God, synths. I've got full mm-hmm. heavy, but let's just pop one for the sake of popping one. <laughs> oh, we, we went into, uh, we were playing Destiny 1 PvP the other day and. I had Raz in there with us, uh, with because me, Raz, Green, and Cole were all playing. Raz is a huge sniper, 
And if you remember anything about D2, every all the weapons that qualified as secondaries mm-hmm. for secondary ammo, were, snipers, yeah. sidearms, they were all, all heavy. That stuff. They were all heavy. No, well, well, they were there were heavy ones, but there were also there were secondary snipers and things like that. But in Crucible, you don't get secondary back. You get secondary just like you do heavy ammo, where you have to go and find a crate and go get it. So you'd have like your certain amount you spawn with, but you wouldn't be able to just run around the map every time you respawn and have ammo. Yeah. So it it was much more primary focus. So it was it was definitely a different experience and a different playstyle going from D two PvP to D one PvP. So. I mean, D one snipers were also just better. Yeah, she did like those. Yeah. <laughs> snipers suck now. D1 snipers Headshot. felt really good. Icebreaker. Mm-hmm. I missed Icebreaker. I missed that a lot. I ran around with... It actually wouldn't... It wouldn't be that bad in in today's... Or in Destiny 1 now. Well, mm-hmm. I take it back. In Trials, it'd be horrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, now, now the thing about Icebreaker... It would it would it would be it would be just about as bad as Revoker, as far as missing a shot, getting it back, missing a shot. Getting it would it be back. an exotic Revoker. Same thing with like Icebreaker. That's, that's yeah. it. it. It pretty much would be. It would be an exotic Revoker. Well, no, it'd be worse than an exotic Revoker because you get more ammo with and Revoker, it's endless. Yeah, with Revoker, you only get it if you completely miss the shot. If you get it with or whether you miss the shot or hit the shot, it doesn't matter. You still get the ammo back with Icebreaker. Yeah. Wasn't it in, unless you got a, um, what is the fucking word I'm thinking of? For icebreaker or for for whatever. icebreaker. Like I don't remember what the actual perk was called. Oh, it's just it's was it just Mulligan? No, it wasn't. Or whatever Mulligan. it was, it was. Um, no, it was. It. it was an actual it, perk dr- that stopped you from picking up ammo because it generated <laughs> it, ammo. It rejuvenated. Yeah, it, this this weapon generates its own secondary ammunition. See, whereas Revoker, if you you have to if you land a body shot with Revoker, you don't get the round back. I know. If you get a headshot, you don't get the round back. No. But if you miss the body completely, you get a round back. I get but, a lot of ammo back with Revoker. <laughs> see, now my thing is, Icebreaker was the prototype. I want to see the final product. No, we don't. Revoker we, is the we final don't want product. To see that. We don't want to see that at all. It's like here's here's the heavy machine gun that Icebreaker was the prototype. For. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would break so much in the game. Yeah, game would. would end in like a single round. Crucible would just mostly be... because of all the frames dropped because of the Firefly effect. <laughs> yes. Uh, so orchid i liked it too did you like the book yeah because it proves hashtag evil traveler (laughs) orchid's gonna be a darkness guardian yeah yeah straight up also Mm -hmm. um i really like plants and gardening and that's what this entire book was about so it was just like it's pretty awesome seeding loom Yes. Okay. Uh, so, mm-hmm. time to go into shout outs. 
Wicked. Uh, just do a huge shout out to all the parents out there who are doing stay at home teaching with their kids. Um, it, it is an absolute struggle. Know that you are not alone in doing so. Uh, and a shout out to all the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. As we are recording this on Mother's Day. Yeah. Orchid? Um, Wicked, thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. Um, what's up? Shout out to BK Spleen. <laughs> Very bestie best. <laughs> Just because she sent me a fucking picture of hot chocolate this morning on Snapchat. She's like, my hot chocolate is so good. And I'm like, bitch, I'm going to have to get hot chocolate now. And then I put a peep in it. And then we had a conversation of like, what kind of peep is that for like 20 minutes? <laughs> oh my God. It was cake batter peep, by the way, if you were wondering. Uh, oh my God. I had dark chocolate, hot chocolate, and cake batter peep on top. It was really good. That's what I had so for breakfast. I had that for breakfast at 4 a.m. And then I played Destiny with my So you like just nine. had a cup of diabetes? Yeah. Awesome. That works. Pretty much. Awesome. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, shout out to all of my <laughs> Australian friends. What's up? What's up? <laughs> Anyone in I'm particular? I'm just gonna say hi to people. Um, Soul Chaos, all them. I'll say hi to Log. Hi Log. It's not my friend. Hi, I'm just, I've talked to him. But gotcha. Hi people in Australia. Mm-hmm. Get rid of those emus. Emus. Evil. All right. As for myself, shout out to the Hyvens. Hope everything is going well in real life because you're off having adventures right now. They're at their mom's house for Mother's <laughs> Day. You're making it sound like they're like on some sort of bank heist. <laughs> Come back to us safely. They're not hey. having adventures. They're at their <clears throat> family's house. <laughs> Hey, sometimes that is a battle. Miss them because, you just miss them because you've had to talk to me the last two weeks. And I you're do. Like, Get her the fuck out of here. <laughs> I need other actual people to talk to. Actually. And not this fucking bitch over here. Well, so like I've been raiding with Hyven lately. And so like I get my fix of Hyven. I haven't talked to Mrs. Hyven in a while. So I do miss her. <laughs> then you should get in on our TikTok chain. I don't TikTok. You were missing out because that's the language Mrs. Hyphen and I like, speak is TikTok. I just I get too annoyed by some of those videos, so I just You're doing TikTok wrong then because they're all amazing. Anyway. Um <laughs> shout out to the mothers. Happy Mother's Day. And shout out to a clanmate of mine, Thundergun. Happy birthday. talk to you in ages hi (laughs) yeah just as we were sitting down to start recording 
everybody in the clan was just posting a bunch of happy birthday thunder and i'm like oh well fine i'll i'll one up you all <laughs> because <laughs> your birthday is forever immortalized in this podcast episode yep <laughs> congratulations there you go mm-hmm. all right with that being said for our reminders you can find us at twitter at guardians underscore lore at hey it's orchid at mrs underscore hyven at i underscore am underscore elemist because at elemist is already taken and it's the person is like blocked and i can't reach out to them so uh and they very clearly are not elemist, right so. right because how can you be elemist if you're blocked it's really easy. I can just hit block and you can still be all this. Anyway, you can email us at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. Find us on Instagram at guardianssoflore. You can leave us a review. And if you leave us a review, join our Discord and let us know. And with that, have a good night. Or day or afternoon, morning, whatever. Whatever.